Once again, happy Sabbath, everyone. Sabbath. We thank the Lord for the day. And at this time, uh, Pastor David Perch will be with us to bring a word of God. So we ask that you all would pay attention and ask the Lord to give you the ability to absorb it all. Amen. Before we begin with a word of prayer, there are two types of teachers. There's the teacher of instruction and the teacher of experience. Both are equally good in getting their point across. They have the same amount of value when it comes to the lesson taught. Meaning at the end of the road, both can teach you the very same thing with the same amount of force. But they're different in the sense of how they teach. Instruction is the best teacher. Amen. Amen. Instruction prevents bad experiences. Experience is a hard teacher. It allows you to get your head banged up. It allows bruises. It allows examples and experiences in your life where you say, if I only had done differently. There are doors that have been opened in my life that I cannot shut. There are temptations that I have to deal with today that if I had followed instruction, I would never be tempted in these areas. While instruction is being given, follow wise counsel, brothers. It is better to learn by instruction than by experience. The text I want to read this morning, and I hope that we would um, all pray the same thing in regards to what is about to be shared, is found in the book of Mark chapter 13, verse 11. The Bible says in the book of Mark, chapter 13, verse 11, we want to read this verse and then we want to pray and claim this verse by prayer and by faith. The Bible says, but when they shall lead you up and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate. For what shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the privilege of being called to this earth for such a time as this. We have the opportunity to stand before kings and rulers and present a thus saith the Lord, not simply by letter or by word, but by action and by lifestyle. So we pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us. Bless us as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turf me, if you would, to the book of Revelation, chapter 14. Pastor Gilbert spoke the other, actually last night, in regards to the fact that we don't deal with this message that we have been called to bear. And it's a wonderful thing as you look at this message, this three angels message. You know, it's not enough to, I believe, to recite it. As a matter of fact, the prophet of the Lord says that many have fallen, many have failed because they do not rise to an ascent of simply a mere belief in the three angels' message, meaning we believe uh, uh, that that is the message for our day. Actually, some of us do. Uh, there was a study not too long ago in Sydney, Australia, by a group of conference officials that said that that's not the message that we are called to bear at this time. That was the message for an older time, but it kind of... Uh, uh, messes up the train of the Bible, for the Bible says that is the everlasting gospel. When you look in the Bible and you look up the word everlasting, everlasting does not simply encompass present and future. 
The word everlasting encompasses past, present, and future. Time in itself is what the word everlasting encompasses. So when the first gospel message was preached, it was the three angels' message. Amen. And the last message that will be preached is none other than the three angels' message. But what does it mean to fear God? What does it mean to give glory to God? And all of these other things, you know. And so when you look at to, into it in depth, this morning we want to deal with giving God glory, okay? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 7, it says, saying with a loud voice, this second or first angel, fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of judgment to come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Okay. Let me take a breath for a second. Okay. I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to calm down. I heard a lot of brothers talk about how the fact that you were nervous, right? When you were speaking uh, the other night. Let me let you know something. That never changes. Okay. That doesn't change. You're going to be nervous from now until because especially when you understand that you stand before the dead and the living, that your actions could actually mean someone surrendering their heart to God and living faithfully from today forward. You should be scared. You should be nervous. Your, your, your stomach should turn and twist. Amen? Amen. So I want to get my breath together because I'm short of breath right now. And, um, so I'm going to breathe. I'm going to take a breath real quick. Okay, so now, fear God and give glory to him. There's a problem with us giving glory to God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned and done what? Come short, Come short of it. I'm missing it this much, that much. It don't matter. I'm short of it. So if I don't have God's glory, how can I give God something that I don't have? That's number one. Number two, God must first give me his glory. And if he's given me his glory, then what does he need it back from me for? He already has it. Why does he need me to give him his glory? Well, we want to look at it from... The perspective of the life of Moses. When we understand God's glory, we understand it's his character, okay? But let's look at it just a little bit different. We're going to deal with his character. Number one, let's turn down our Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 24. There are two types of glory spoken of in the books of Exodus. Exodus, chapter 24. And Moses went up into the cloud, or uh, into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount, and the what? The glory. the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. So what you have here, this is just a verse pointing now. We're not going to go through all the other verses, but you know, you know the Bible speaks of the fact that on Mount Sinai there was fire and there was lightning and there was earthquake. This was a representation of the glory of God, his presence. There was an external visual looking at of the glory of God, an external glory, right? Let's go to another verse. Because of this external glory of God, Moses decided that that wasn't enough. You remember the verse, Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. I beseech thee, do what? Wait a minute, Moses, you just saw my glory. The mountain was quaking, the fire was there, the cloud was there. What was Moses actually asking? I want to know a little bit more about you. I saw this external display of your power and your presence, but that's not enough. We're going somewhere. I need to know a little bit more. I need to know you a lot deeper. And so then in verse 19... He starts to show him his character, mercy, gracious, long-suffering. He began to show him the intricate details of what made him 
God. The internal glory of God. What that means is, it's the external glory of God which caused Moses to desire the internal presence of God. And I want you to understand something. Look in the Bible in Exodus chapter 20. Look what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20. Because the Bible says this. Not everyone had this experience. The external glory of God didn't produce the same type of desire to have a deeper knowledge of who God was. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 21. The Bible says this. The Bible says, verse 20 it says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces that you do what? Sin not. That comes after verse 18 when all the people saw the thundering and the lightning and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain spoke, smoking. And when they saw it, what did they do? They removed. they removed and stood far off. So they saw the external presence of God. They were fearful and they pulled away. Moses saw the external presence now. of God. He was fearful. Right. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 21. The Bible says that Moses saw it. He saw the mountain that quake, and he said himself, he said, matter of fact, look what it says. It don't say he was scared. It doesn't say he was fearful. Look what it says. Look what it says. Hebrews chapter 12. It doesn't say that he was just afraid. See, the other people were afraid. Moses was trembling. You can imagine, oh, my goodness, what is this? I have never seen nothing. Yes, I, I, I've seen the cloud by day and the fire by night, but what is this? The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 21. The Bible says, And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I'm just not afraid, but I exceedingly fear and quake. In his fear, he said, listen, but I know this God. The others had not had the experience with God. Moses drew near to know more of God. The other people say, hey, listen, you deal with that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that. I haven't had the experience with God that you had. How do, what do I mean? The Bible speaks of, of Moses, Numbers, chapter 12, verse 3. It speaks of Moses being a meek man, the meekest man on the earth. I had to look up that word meek. Listen to what it says. Mild of temper, soft, gentle, not easily provoked or irritated. Yielding, given to forbearance under injury. Moses wasn't always like that. Now, we're dealing with Moses because Moses is going to be a perfect example. Moses wasn't always like that. As a matter of fact, I think, I don't forget who talked about it, but Moses' life can be plotted out in three 40-year experiences. His experience of training under Pharaoh, his experience of untraining and retraining under the Father in the wilderness, and then his experience of application. But during his latter 40-year period, he was able to go into the presence of God. Moses wasn't just a murderer. Moses was a premeditated murderer. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 2, look what the Bible says. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. And what did he do? He looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one was around, so Moses said, what in the world? His temple was hot. And had he seen some Egyptian, he would have calmed himself. Next time. Next time. I'm, I'm, mm, mm, next time. But when he saw nobody's looking, 
Let's do this. And he said, I, it was a pre, that's premeditated murder. That was premeditated murder. That's worthy of capital punishment according to our laws today. But Moses went into the mount. He had to learn. He wanted to know what the internal glory of God was. Guess what happened when he got the internal glory of God? Look what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 33. 34, sorry. Exodus 34. Giving glory to God. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 29, And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. He desired, he saw the external glory of God. It's a psycho. He saw the external glory of God. It caused him to desire the internal glory of God. When he got close and learned more of God, then God put the external glory of God on Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 18. Saints, we're going somewhere. God has called us for such a time as this. I remember praying with my brother in Christ, Arian Chapman. And in his prayer, he said, come on, saints, come on, come on, come on, come on. In his prayer... He said, Lord, I don't know what you see in me because I wouldn't trust me. But I don't know what you see in me that would cause you to trust me to carry your character. But God has raised us for this day and this hour. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. Man, look here. See, this is what God does for us. That's what, that's God. That was the Holy Ghost. I said, Lord, please, this stuff, this sweat is getting in my eyes. Could you, what am I going to do? Am I going to have to stop? Lord, Lord, put it on your heart. Thank you, brother. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, why we went to Moses is because of this. The Bible says in verse 18, I will raise up a what? From among thy brethren their brethren, like unto thee. Who is this prophecy given to? Anybody know? I'll tell you. This prophecy is given to Moses. So when the Bible says he will raise up a prophet, God is speaking to Moses. He's saying, I will raise up a prophet like unto thee, Moses. Who is the prophecy about? It is about Christ. So Moses is a type of Christ. Christ when he came to this earth, came to the earth as a prophet. So I can accept when people say, oh, Christ was a prophet. Amen, he was. Yes, he was. How do I know that? For the Bible says, Christ speaking, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own town. Christ called himself a prophet. He has three ministries, and we're going to come to that. As a matter of fact, we're going to deal with that. He has three ministries. His first ministry prepared the way for a second ministry. And the first ministry was the ministry of a prophet. That's right, that's right. Prophet, priest, and king. That's right, that's right. He's reigning as our priest. He's returning soon. Be faithful as our king. So Moses was a type of Christ. Moses, and I love the wilderness experience, Moses had to be taken out so that he could uh, 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 unlearn and then learn again about God. I'll just say that. About himself, about God. I don't know what God was teaching Moses in the wilderness, but he sure was teaching him. Amen? Amen. So Christ had to come and do the same thing that Moses did. Look what the Bible says in John 1. John 1 and verse 14. 
As a matter of fact, you remember as you're turning to John 1 and verse 14, you will remember that when Christ, when the Father, sorry, was speaking to Moses, he told Moses that, listen, Moses, here's what's going to happen. Aaron is going to be your mouthpiece because you're afraid to allow your mouth to be used in the manner in which I want to use you. So I'm going to give you a crutch. And that crutch I'm going to give you is Aaron. So Aaron is going to be the prophet, and you're going to be like God to the people. Am I saying the wrong thing? That's what it says. So therefore, Moses, I'm going to allow you to represent me to the people. When the people look at you, I want them to see me. John chapter 1 verse 14, the Bible says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his what? Glory. Was it his glory? The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18. How do we know it wasn't his glory? Listen what the Bible says. No man have seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he hath done what? So what was Christ's mission to this world? The same as Moses. Listen, I'm coming here and I simply, Philip, how long have I been with you? You say you want to see the father. I'm not telling you I'm the father. Don't get it confused. But what I'm telling you is that when you see me, you see the very actions, lifestyle, cares, desires, wishes, hopes, and dreams for the people that the Father has. Amen. So when you watch me, you get a perfect example of who the Father is. John 17 says it this way. John 17 The Bible says this in verse 5. John 17 and verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee when? What glory do you believe that Christ is trying to reveal to the world at this time? He was trying to reveal to the world the external. I want you to see my loveliness so that you would desire to have an inner, deeper relationship with me. Christ had to learn the same way Moses did. Christ had to learn. The prophet of the Lord says that as Christ was reading, as a matter of fact, she says that in, in the book Desire of Ages, she says that as Christ was at the ceremony, he saw the sacrifices that were taking place, and he began to learn more and more of his mission. What if he had an ungodly mother, an ungodly father? Lord, have mercy. What if they failed in having worship in the home? Lord, help us to be faithful with our children, faithfully giving them a standard of living. Lord, help me. And the Bible says this in the book of Mark, the book of Mark chapter 1. The Bible shows how Christ received that external. Um, we, we get confused with it then. We, we're getting, he, he showed us how he received because of the external glory, Christ had to have a deeper sense of the internal glory of God. The Bible says in verse 35, how did he get it? The same way Moses did. Verse 35 says, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed, Lord, give me your glory. Give me your glory. Give me your internal glory. So that as I walk among men, the external glory of God will be revealed. Now there's two things that I want us to look at in, in regards to the glory of God and what it's actually for. Now we again, we, we could conclude character. It's fair. Character 
But what is the glory of God for? And why does God really want to reveal his glory externally to mankind? Does that question make sense? Are you sure? Does that question make sense? I want to make sure you're getting this right now, B, okay? What is the purpose of God wanting man to see his glory? So he can be drawn, amen. Let's look at the Bible says. The Bible says this. Let's go in the book of, book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. Let's go to 19, the 19th division of Psalms. There are two ways that God is desiring, to, or the two purposes rather, that I, and it may be more, but I found two, that God wants us to know of his glory. The Bible says this in verse 1, Psalms 19, verse 1. The Bible says, the heavens declare the what? Glory the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. As a matter of fact, we got to go here for a second. Listen to this verse. And I want you to see how the nature declares the plan of salvation. Listen to this in this verse. Right here in this verse. The Bible says this. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their verses, voice sorry, is not heard. The heavens, the Bible says. It's not talking about the grass. Not talking about the trees. It's talking about the heavens. Now listen to this. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, what? The heavens. In them, I have, uh, 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 have he set a what? Tabernacle. A tabernacle, a temple, whatever you, sanctuary. Am I right? Amen. A tabernacle for the what? Which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Do you know what that word chamber means? The word chamber means innermost apartment. So the sun is declaring the glory of God. When the sun is in the sky, the sun is in the tabernacle. When the sun leaves the sky, the sun has left the tabernacle. Amen. When the sun has left the tabernacle, it is as a bridegroom going out of the chamber. The chamber is the innermost apartment. When the sun leaves the sky, God is reminding us daily that soon Jesus is going to finish his intercessory work in the most holy place. Are you ready? Daily he's reminding us of that. Are you ready for Jesus Christ to come? And so the heavens declare the glory, Father in heaven. Help us now, Lord. Continue to pour out your spirit in this room. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The heavens declare the glory of God. Creation declares the glory of God, that God has the ability to create. That's why the Bible says, created me a clean heart. That's why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. That's the glory of God, that he could create you anew. I don't care what your life is like. Now, today, I don't care. Had a brother saying, listen, man, I, I want to come work with you, but, but, you know, I got a problem with smoking. I don't care. I could care less. Do you hear me, brothers? Come on, come on. I don't care. I said, I just advise you of one thing. Do not bring that around the people. Now, you'll say, well, hold on now. Hold on. Because what you present to the people is what they're going to know about you. People set a standard for each other. 
people set a standard for each other. Now, when I say I don't care, the reason why I don't care, because I know that this gospel that we preach can get away with that. It, it could do away with that. I was sitting one night. I gave my heart to Christ. I was sitting one night. I remember that, that, that we had just left a birthday party, and it was a week of prayer, and I had promised my mother that I'm going to be at this week of prayer every night. And when I make a promise to my mother, Pastor Sharp, I'm going to keep it. Amen. Bottom line, that's a family rule. You say I promise, you got to keep that promise. That's just a family rule. So if you can get out of saying I promise, you know, there's, there's, some, there's, some, there's some, some leeway there. But I promised, and I remember being at a birthday party and, 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 and unconverted, drunk as a skunk. Mm. And next thing I know, I just happened to look at the watch and I said, ooh, mm -mm. 7 o'clock, the men of God are singing songs of Zion right now. I said, hey, hey um, I'll be right back. Where you going, man? I'll be right back. Mm. I was embarrassed to tell people that I was going to church. Amen. I was ashamed. So, so listen, just, 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 just hang tight right now. I'll be back. Everybody's loading up their cars, going, going someplace. And I sat in the back, and the minister was preaching. I had a bottle of Hennessy in my left pocket. And God cut through all of that, said, okay, come on. And he presented a message to me. And then at the end of the night, when my mother stood up and looked around, make sure I was there, I waved at her, let her see me, ducked out the door. I didn't want her to smell me. At the end of that meeting, I was giving my heart to God. God doesn't care what you're like. Created me a new heart. Also, the glory is for God showing us that he has the ability to save. Look with me in the Bible, the book of Psalms 85. Psalms 85. God has ability to save. And I can't think of anything that God can't save you from. When the minister calls and says, come to the altar, I want you to come to have forgiveness of sin. I want you to come to get victory. Is he calling you to the altar so that you could go home and do it again? He's calling you so that you could have, so that you can have. I just want to set the goal high. Is that all right? He's calling you so that you can have complete and total victory. Accept that. Yes, we may fall. But I want you to know, you don't have to. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Meaning, if you find yourself outside of Christ, no excuses need to be made. Well, I did it because, yes, you did it because you're outside of Christ. Accept that. Get up out the dirt. The Bible says, shake thyself from, from the dust and loose thyself from the bands or the chains that hold you. Get up. Recommit your heart to Christ and move forward. Amen? The Bible says this is Psalms 85. The Bible says in verse 9, Psalms 85 and verse 9, am I there? Yes. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him. Why, Lord, that glory may dwell in our land. Let's look at one more verse, Psalm 79 and verse 9. So the glory of God is so that God can let people know that he has the ability to recreate them or to create, and he has the ability to save mankind. Psalm 79, verse 9, the Bible says, Help us, O God, of our salvation. For what? The For the glory of thy name, and deliver us, and do what? Purge away our sins. Purge away our sins. Purge away our sins. The Bible says in Psalm 77 and verse 17, it says that God saves us by his right hand. Okay? He saves us by his right hand, the Bible says. Psalms 48 and verse 10, the Bible says that thy right hand is full of righteousness. 
What's righteousness, saints? Right doing. I love that answer. Righteousness is right doing. Amen. What is doing right? Well, that sounds like a circle to me. Righteousness is right doing. What right thing must I be doing? Psalms 119, verse 172. Let's get a proof text. Let's get a definitive text for what righteousness is. Psalms 119, verse 172. I like it. I like it. Psalms 119, verse 172. Huh, that's what I'm talking about. The Bible says this. My tongue shall speak of thy word for all thy what? Amen. So when I am a righteous man... I am a commandment keeper. When I say that righteous, I, I'm living righteous, I'm obedient to the commands. So if God's hand, right hand, is full of righteousness, then God's right hand is the ability that he gives mankind to live according to the law. To live according to the law. As a matter of fact, when you look at the right hand, as a matter of fact, the right hand of God is the intercessory work of God. Go to, go to Romans chapter, uh, chapter 8 and verse 34. Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. This, just a, this, this, this is a commercial break right here. This is just a little brief thing on, the, on, on what the intercession of God is. Amen? Just go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. Look what the Bible says here. The Bible says this in verse 34. Who is he that commendeth or condemneth, sorry, it is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even where? And when he is at the right hand, what does it all say he's doing? Who also does what? So when you see the right hand of God, you see the intercessory work of God on our behalf. As a matter of fact, we said before that there are three missions of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. What you see here in the Bible is the first two missions of Christ. You will always, I won't say always, I don't like making definitive statements like that. You will, a lot of times, you, you, a lot of times you'll see one work and then immediate another work of Christ. You'll see the cross and then he goes to the heavens. Or you'll see the cross and then you'll see the right hand. Or you'll see something like that. Go to Hebrews 1 and verse 3. Let me just show you this. Hebrews 1 and verse 3. Hebrews 1 and verse 3. The Bible says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself done what? When did he purge our sins, saints? At the cross. At the cross. When he had purged our sins, what did he do next? In a session. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at one more. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 2. And this is a promise for, 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 for victory over sin. Hebrews 12, 1 through 4 is a promise. It's a command and a promise for victory over sin. But verse 2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him did what? Endured the cross, despising the shame, and after that he did what? Set that at the right hand of the throne of God. Cross, intercession. Amen? There would be no intercession unless it's the cross. There'd be no salvation unless there's intercession. How do I know that? Because we just read a verse. That, oh, we didn't read it. I told it to you. Psalm 77, verse 17 says that his right hand saves us. Look what his intercession is. Romans 5. Romans 5. Then we're going to prepare to wrap this up. Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. The Bible says, now remember, we're looking for the two missions of God, right? Those two things, the cross and then his intercession. Well, look what it says here. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by what? The death of his son. Romans 5, verse 10, sorry. 
Romans 5 and verse 10, for if when we were enemies of God or enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, cross, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his what? His intercession. His intercession. That's just a short one, saints. His intercession. Christ is interceding for us, trying to give us his life. Let this mind be in you. His victories. So guess what? I don't smoke anymore. Amen. I don't drink anymore. Amen. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Christ doesn't drink. Christ doesn't smoke. The flesh never changes. Christ is the changing element. When Christ abides, Christ says, I don't smoke. And when you allow Christ to abide in you, it's not your victories. It never was, and it never will be. It's Christ's victories. And Christ says, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't watch that foolishness anymore. Oh, Lord, I got the victory. Praise God. Live in those victories. Understand who is making you victorious. That's like when my mother used to come to my house when I got my first apartment and, 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 and all the friends would be over the house. Pastor Sharp, you know, she would come up at the most uh, 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 opportune moments, knock on the door, and, 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 and I always did this, you know, because I was this cautious type of, type of person. I would look out the window to see who's there first, and I'd see her car turn the music off. Get this stuff out of here. Take it in my bedroom. Just go, go, go. Open the door. Hi, Ma. How you doing? Come on in. You know, oh, sit down. How are things going? Okay. And she knows my mother got game. She understands. She said, mm-hmm, uh-huh. So she's going to sit down for a minute. She's going to take her shoes off. But in the back of my mind, I'm saying, Will you leave? Will you go? Amen? I can't do this while you're here. That's why the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9 that if his seed remains, there's a promise. It does not say that we will not sin. It does not say that there's a possibility that we could be free from sin. The Bible says that if his seed remains, you cannot sin. It is impossible to sin while Christ abides in the heart. We must kick Christ out. Get out, Christ. You got to leave so that I could take part of my pleasures, the pleasures of self. The tempter could never compel us to do evil. He cannot control minds. The will must consent. Faith must let go its hold upon Christ before Satan can ever exercise his power over us. I have to say no to God. That's why, saints, the Bible says, know you not to whom you yield yourself service to obey. I got to make a choice one way or the other. I don't fall into sin. Oops. I chose that. I have to choose. And if I'm going to choose, why not choose wisely? Let's wrap this up. Let's bring this to a close. The external glory of God prepares the way for the internal glory of God. We saw that. But how do I give glory back to God? Second Corinthians. See, God wants you to have his glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Bible says this in verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts to do what? To give the light 
of the knowledge of the what? Give it to who? Give it to So God, God caused me to shine external glory so that I could give glory. Amen? Well, what, what do you mean, Lord? I love this verse. Matthew chapter 5. I love this verse. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And verse 16. Listen to what this verse says, saints. The Bible says in this verse, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, external glory, and do what? Your Father which is in heaven. So what's happening here? It's me having a relationship with God, getting some internal glory from God. God placing some external glory on me, and I'm going around shining, shining for him. Amen. I'm going around shining. And as a result of me just doing what I do, shining. So the Bible says, let your light not just shine. It doesn't, see, I, this is why I love the verse, because it doesn't say let it shine. It says let it so shine. That's particular. Let the light shine in such a particular manner that as a result of you doing what you do, somebody's going to look at you. They're going to look at how you eat. They're going to look at how you dress. They're going to look at how you treat your wives. They're going to look at how you treat your children. They're going to look at how you pay your tithes and how, you, how you're honest in your business. They're going to look at every action of your life. And as a result of that, they're going to say, I want to know the God that you serve. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I see there's something different about you than anybody else that professes Christianity. And I want to know the God that you serve. And you say, Lord, here goes some glory for you. Here's some glory. Here's some character that I'm giving back to you. As a result of you giving me your glory, I'm giving you something in return. Because you're a merchant man. You believe in some increase. And I don't want to waste your time. Christ said if I be lifted up. I will draw. I will draw. Our final verse. The book of Colossians chapter 1. Our final verse. Colossians chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 28, verse 27, sorry. This is our familiar verse, one that we like to use quite often. I do. About being in Christ, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this ministry amongst the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now, I want you to know that Christ being in you is already a testament that you have the glory of God. But it says the hope of glory. That means there's more glory to be hoped for. Well, what is that more glory to be hoped for? Look at verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Here you go, Lord. Here you are, Father. I've been faithful for what you've given to me. Your word has not fallen on my ears in vain. I've allowed you to transform my character. And my neighbor knows. My neighbor knows enough just by watching that they can have a closer walk with God. Help me to be faithful. Help us 
to be found faithful. Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you this day. As every head is bowed and as every eye is closed, to present to you our lives a living sacrifice, to present to you the only thing that heaven desires, our heart, as sinful as it is, our choice, our affections, only for you to replace it with new desires, new hopes, new goals and expectations, a new heart. Today we ask that you would pluck up that old man of sin. I pray that you would uproot those deep-seated affections for this earth that we have. Remind us continuously of the home that is prepared for us. And I pray that we'd be a people found faithful. And we claim the promise that all that the Father gives me, I will in no wise cast out. So we thank you for accepting us this day, for giving us freedom from sin. May we walk in the light while we have it. And we will not cease to give you the honor and praise that is due your name. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.